Hi, I'm Jay Edidin. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk Talk. Where we talk hawks. Now, normally, if you were tuning into this channel, you'd be getting Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, a weekly walk through the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera, complete with professional editing. But in this case, this is an unedited, uh, largely unplanned and unwritten informal episode. Now, we were doing a bunch of Hawk Talks earlier in the pandemic. We ended those a while back. However, times have changed once again, and we have a new reason to do them for a little bit. That's right. We've st- we we offered basically the ability to select a Hawk Talk topic as a reward as part of our Equality Florida April fundraiser. Uh, this is one of those, and this uh, episode is going to be on online communities and was selected by Play Comics. Yes, indeed. Uh, Play Comics, by the way, is a podcast that I was on a couple times. They talk about uh, video games that are based on comics. They're really cool. Um, but yeah, so given that we're recording this on May 1st, the day after the fundraiser, before we dive into the online community thing, like, how'd we do? I mean, I don't think this is technically before, because this is very much part of discussion of online communities, because this is the work of an online community. And specifically, an online community that raised, um, and I want to say we set out with a goal of about $2,000. That was what we were expecting to bring in on this. And uh, what we ended up raising was $32,060.35. Holy crap. That's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of, well, not ridiculous. It's wonderful is what it is. It's really, really phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, And this is, of course, to fight Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, So, yeah, I really hope that makes a a solid difference. But it, it certainly blew me away. Like, I knew we had a caring and generous community that was socially engaged in addition to being a bunch of X-Men nerds. But seeing that number, like that concrete expression of that is incredible. Well, and seeing the ways that this spread through communities as as we were doing it and as we were promoting it and as other folks were doing stuff. Cause, like, I know Play Comics, for instance, basically did a, a secondary fundraiser as part of this. Like, that's where, where this episode came from. Because oh, they, so were, they were working with, with, with their direct community, too. Yeah, and that's, that's fascinating to me uh, as someone who doesn't spend a ton of time on the internet, just the way that you can have these intense communities that are very close to one another, but they just overlap and intersect and overlap and intersect just like social groups in real life uh i don't know like i almost want to see like a, a map of how this uh how this fundraiser spread so that's incredibly incredibly true in particular and i i say in particular because it's my frame of reference but also because it's a pretty remarkable example from everything i've seen and heard of the x-men podcasting community which is is very 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 tightly knit so a lot of podcasts that have overlapping audiences and also a lot of friendships between podcasts. Absolutely, yeah. Um, side note, it's really weird now being one of the longest-lived X-Men podcasts out there. I still kind of feel like a kid out there, but uh, we've, we've been around for a while and it's weird and it's cool. Well, I think that speaks to another aspect of the community, too, that I'd wanted to talk about. Because one of the things that I really like about online communities and one of the things that I think speaks to successful online communities is that they're pretty fractal. That you start out with maybe one central group or one central unifying theme, then you have other communities that spring out from that as people, people you know, find, you know, other specialized interests, other specialized projects, etc. Watching that, watching what's come out of this podcast in terms of that has been really tremendous because I've, I've seen like other podcasts f- like ideate and form 
and and other projects. You know, there was a cookbook, there have been zines, there have been anthologies, and all of that stuff again has 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 come from from these communities that 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 sort of branch and grow, and then form you know their own sub branches and their own intercommunities, and yet sort of still all stay connected through sort of general root stuff. In this case, X Men fandom. Exactly, yeah. And that's always fascinating to me. And again, just mirrors, I think, in-person dynamics. Like, you'll have a shared interest. That's what connects people. And then those interpersonal connections start to form around that with that shared interest still as that sort of continual uh, undulating glue. That makes it sound weird, but I don't know. That's that's the glory of an unedited Hawk Doc episode. You get words like undulating when discussing social glue. Well, the critical difference, I think, in online communities is that there's a wildcard factor um, in that they're easy to stumble over in ways that real-life communities and real-life friends groups kind of aren't. Like, in, in real life, if you've got a group of friends or a group of collaborators, the way people come in is already knowing someone who's involved. And that's true to an extent in online communities. I mean, that's certainly one of the most common inroads, but it's also possible to find them via a hashtag, find them via a recommendation for something tangentially related and end up really a core part of of you know these these tight groups that also kind of defy barriers of geography and a lot of the sort of demographic limitations that tend to come into play in in real life social social circles and social interactions that's a really good point. Yeah, like, I don't know about you, but in real life, I, I generally find myself, for instance, hanging out largely with people in roughly my, like, sub-generation, roughly my age demographic, and certainly geographic demographic. And yeah, like, in our, our X-Men community, our Explain the X-Men community, we have people spanning so many decades and so many countries, and that doesn't matter. That's not an issue, and that's amazing. There's also, I mean, you know, you were talking about who you mainly hang out with, and I was thinking, well, I don't hang out with anyone right now because there's a pandemic. Like, <laughs> one point, person yeah. I'm not related to who I see with any regularity, and by with any regularity, I mean, like, twice in the last six months. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you know, there are, there are friends who I talk to online every day, or who, who I, I text with, or who I, I'm just moving in inter in in you know interconnected spaces with in in the same way that that we'd be walking through the same halls in a workspace or or running into each other at the comic shop and for me at least those online relationships i mean really always have been pretty central to my life like they've they've they're i i don't think of them as as different or or less than than you know physical you know physically proximal relationships they're they're just central like they've always just been there and that's actually something I wanted to ask you about because you are you spend a significant amount of time on the internet compared to me, especially in, in online communities. And you were just describing sort of those one-on-one connections online, but we're also discussing online communities. And I guess I wanted to ask you where you saw kind of the the borders between those types of interactions, where you saw the borders between like, here is a friend I'm talking to every day online versus here is a larger community that this friend and I are both part of. I mean, how do you differentiate between someone you're at a party with versus a friend of yours who's at a party with you, who you're at a party with? No, fair point. Yeah. So it's one of those things, I guess, where like the type of interaction is determined by the, the social environment, be it physical or virtual. Yeah. But where you also have, you know, as, as in, you know, physical life, where you have some power in defining that environment or setting aside separate spaces, um, you know, for individual interaction or 
being in a larger group conversation where there are some people you know better and some people you know less well. Like that's not again, that's not really a significant difference. The main difference are differences are are you know the physical proximity, the general sort of heterogeneity, heterogeneity, and and the medium. Totally. Well, and actually, speaking of of medium, um, I mean, I know that certainly we have the Explain the X Men Discord that you're very active on. We have the Explain the X Men Twitter, like. I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of the the differences between those methods of interacting, how that uh, influences how community works, how it, you know, what the, what the feel of those different communities are compared to one another. So, man, um, we are a little bit lazy with our social media presence. <laughs> and it tends to be kind of one way. Like, there are conversations on our Twitter. There are people who tweet to us and we, we tweet back to, but we don't tend to start, like, big conversation threads there. Totally, um, it yeah. tends to be kind of a, a one-way platform. And Discord is is basically the ongoing meetup room. Um, it's a place where people can come in where there are different channels and just have casual conversations. And I'll say, too, if you're listening to this and you'd like an invite to that Discord community, shoot us an email at, um, at, at explainthexmen at gmail.com and we will hook you up with that. Um, we're doing invites that way just because we have limited moderation capacity there. And uh, we we try not to swamp the community with like sixty new people at a time, um, which which tends to to happen. If if we post an invite link, we get like a ton of people signing up and like four of them actually posting. But the moderators all like on high alert. Hmm. Um, I feel pretty strongly that moderation is is pretty key. Moderation and and rules and guidelines are pretty pretty key to positive social spaces online and i'm not i'm not counting entire platforms like twitter as that like that's that's i mean twitter twitter is a moderation black hole it's a, it's an absolute mess in that regard but i'm talking like if you're if you're setting up and designing a community 10 years ago this would have been a forum which i desperately miss like i feel like that was mm-hmm. such a good format um now might be something like a dis- Discord, could theoretically be a Facebook community. I really don't like Facebook moderation tools, which is why there isn't an Explain the X Men Facebook. And because, yeah, I think I think online spaces kind of shape shape themselves, but can be shaped to an extent that people often don't credit, like. They sort of assume if I make this space, you know, people will come and they'll be nice and we'll, it'll be fine because they assume social compact is going to be enough. And the same things that make online spaces and online communities so vibrant and varied can also make them unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think if you're making one, if you're trying to make a positive community and a positive space, having ground rules is really, really, really critical because people are coming in with experiences of a very, very wide range of online communities and spaces and a very, very wide range of rules or absence of rules. And you can't really, in, in a circumstance like that, when you're, when you're coming in with, with all those very different experience ranges, you can't really rely on instinct or social proof to get you through. Like you you actually need guidelines or what's going to happen is the the things that set, get set up as examples, the things that people use as social proof are going to be the most extreme. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking back to um, our World of Warcraft days back in the day, which is probably the, the closest thing I have to experience with an online community. And 
usually things were fine, and then occasionally we'd get somebody coming in used to parts of the World of Warcraft world where, like, rape jokes were okay, and we'd have to be like, okay, you know, let's not do that, like, ever at all, and here's why, please. The sort of thing we would never have thought we would have had to bring up, but you don't know. Well, and that was a really interesting example of that kind of community, because that was an online community that started as an in-person community. It was a group of friends from college who all used to tabletop games together and started playing World of Warcraft uh-huh. together. And then the guild sort of expanded to include, you know, folks from the the larger internet. Exactly, yeah. Like, as we became one of the the more known, long-lived guilds on the server, Radio Free Horde, I think we were on the Staghelm server. I, I don't know if we still exist anymore. I don't know. I haven't played in a million years. But, um... Yeah, it was strange, like, you know, having other guilds request to merge with us, and then we get that influx of people with all of these different online social experiences and standards. Uh, I remember, speaking of forums, we had, like, a really active forum. I think it was so active at one point that um, my department, the IT department, uh, was trying to figure out where a bunch of traffic on the network was coming from, and it turned out it was just me being very active on my lunch break, and occasionally not on my lunch break, on the guild forums. That was embarrassing. Wow. (laughs) You know, I was really into it. I was the guild leader for a while. I wanted to do a good job. I wanted everyone to be happy and feel welcome. Yeah. Um, The first online community that I was really tightly part of, I guess, yeah, I guess the Radio Free Horde was was predated this. But um, the first one I I think of as as a strictly online community that I was part of was the Girl Wonder Forum. um, Oh, yeah. A a feminist comics forum that was, was extremely active in the early aughts. I believe still exists um, and was 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 really kind of in a lot of ways an incubator space for a, what, a lot of what you think of now as as the critical, you know, comics critical, yeah, comics criticism community in the feminist end of that, um, as well as a number of creators. Yeah. I don't know that also bled over into our in-person lives. Like when we moved to Portland, some of the first people we got to know were people you knew from Girl Wonder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they connections do go back and forth. Like there are people who are in online communities and spaces I'm part of who I brought in from real life. And there are people who are in those spaces who I've met in real life, but who I, I knew first online. And I mean, one of one of the primary examples of people who I've become extremely close to who I knew first online is, of course, my wife, T, who right, I know exactly. through through sort of the, 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 the diffuse larger comics community um, online. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's... That's really cool to me. I don't know, just that you can have you can have that back and forth and back and forth. Like I know something you described earlier in this episode was that for you, you don't consider online relationships to be like necessarily to be lesser or necessarily even distinct. And I think that's the area where that makes the most sense to to me personally as an extremely offline person is like, yes, absolutely, especially during the pandemic, especially during the worst parts of the pandemic, like that is just an avenue we have for communication. And that's, they're still the same people. They're still the same like types of interactions, even if they're differently flavored. Interesting, because for a very long time, you were dead set in the opposite direction. It's true. I mean, okay, listeners, I'll, I'll admit this. I've been a judgmental jerk about social media as a concept for a great deal of the existence of social media. And um, I've certainly softened on that. I've certainly softened on a lot of things over the years. Um And it's still, I mean, I'll admit, like, I still spend very little time on social media and online, especially as compared to UJ. But I think that's more of a more of a preference than less of like a a fervent, righteously indignant moral stand as once it was. 
Yeah, I mean, I use social media for a lot of things. One is, that I, you know, I work in a very, very geographically diffuse industry, and it, yeah, I know you're in comics as well, but you're you're in the you're 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 doing IT in comics and sort of mm-hmm. the 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 ways that the community interactions you know work differ, and in a lot of ways, social media is the water cooler for the creative end of the comics industry, and I mean, that's that's been the case for a very long time. And and remains so. But also, for me, and I think for a lot of neurodivergent people, um, and a lot of a lot of disabled people, especially, like social media is access to social spaces mm-hmm. in ways that physical community spaces are often inaccessible or extremely hostile. Like it's a, it's a really critical access tool. But also, um, I think of Twitter and I think of the way I use that and some other platforms as adaptive technology. It's something that gives me access to casual social relationships on an even playing field that I don't have in real life. Yeah, I remember when you first started becoming active on Twitter, that was that was like transformative for you socially. Yeah, it was really really tremendous and it was really tremendous in ways that very specifically and sort of curiously to me reflected relationship stages and types of casual connection that had always completely evaded me in in physical, you know, in-person relationships and socialization. Like there was this whole realm of casual conversation um, and of, of like the space between friendly acquaintance and friendship that had always just been been this minefield. And when you changed it to a text format, it made perfect sense to me. It It worked really well. Yeah, I remember you talking about how important it was just to be able to, like, take a second to edit or delete as you were about to send a tweet. Or have conversations that were taking place in an order I could read rather than simultaneous audio input. Like, which sounds really, really basic, but which makes, again, just a transformative difference in the the extent to which I can engage in a conversation. I, uh, I I applaud you for all those years surviving being around my family, all talking over each other all the time. They're a lot. They're they're wonderful, but yes, they they are a lot also. <laughs> yeah, so I know uh, obviously Twitter has been um, I think the focus of your online community uh, experience, um, mm. and a Discord has been part of that as well. Are there any other communities that you find yourself interacting with, like on a on a regular basis? I mean, shout out to my dear departed beloved Imzy. Oh yeah, Imzy, it was going to be a, a less toxic Reddit, and it was really cool, and they made us a t-shirt, and now they no longer exist. It was less, less toxic, and it was fantastic, but it 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 did not get the funding to, to keep going. Um, it was really good, and it did a lot of stuff that really beautifully bridged forum and chat spaces from a technical angle, which I really liked. Um, For real. In terms of other platforms that I use now, God, um, I am technically on Facebook because there are a couple people I know and I'm close to, mainly in my family who use Facebook, who don't use other platforms. And so mm-hmm. I, I I still have Facebook for that. Um, I love Tumblr. I love Tumblr so much. Tumblr is, is an absolute nightmare chaos engine. And... It's fantastic. It is absolutely fucking ungovernable in the best of ways. It recent it recently introduced a feature called Tumblr Blaze where you can pay like 10 bucks to promote a post and you cannot do any kind of targeted promotion. Like it just sends it to like 55,000 people. 
And the Tumblr Blaze posts I have seen, the posts that people specifically promote, are usually things like, look at my fucking awesome cat. <laughs> I want to see their awesome cat. That sounds great. Again, like Tumblr, it's it's such a weird, amazing, feral community. <laughs> And obviously there are parts of it that are toxic, there are parts of it that are terrible, but the parts of it that have continued to exist, and at least the parts that show up on my feed that I've curated Tumblr to be for me, are amazing. I love it dearly. (laughs) Man. Yeah, that kind of makes me think of talking about, I don't know, it's a cross between ungovernable and heavily moderated, but... While I I'm, I almost entirely lurk on Reddit, Reddit's become a part of my what I do online. Like, there are a few topics that I follow, you know. Interestingly enough, not anything comics-related. Like, that just feels... Like, I just don't want to deal with that. Like, I love comics. I love working with comics. I don't want to hear what people think about comics on the wider internet. It sounds terrible. But, uh, you know, Silent Hill or Portland local stuff of people being nimbies about our city or, um, I don't know, Resident Evil, like some of the gaming stuff I like, that's been fascinating to me because, I don't know, it's kind of like what you described with the X-Men comics community. Everyone's starting with a central interest, and on Reddit, that's even more partitioned. Like, everything has to be relevant to that interest. And yet you do see these sort of... uh, social standards and community in-jokes and uh, different users getting to know each other around that. So it's fascinating having it be so tied to a specific topic and still seeing community like organically form around that as much as it can. Yeah, I don't do Reddit, and I don't do Reddit for a fairly specific reason that actually relates to the podcast. Oh yeah, which is that around our hundredth episode, I was I I you know occasionally keep track on trackbacks and links and stuff like that, and and look at conversations that are being had on public platforms about us, and um, clicked over there, and there was very brief. Oh my god, they got Claremont, and then there was a really long detailed discussion of the probable state of my genitalia and its potential impact on our marriage, and I decided huh. that I was fucking done with Reddit. You, you know. P- Fair enough. I feel great about my decision to uh, avoid the comics part of Reddit, apparently. I mean, I'm sure a lot I mean, of it's great, but like, my that's, impression like, is wow. that it varies pretty widely from community to community, but like, sometimes you just hit an event horizon. No, that, that, that's entirely reasonable. Man. Uh,. Talking about other communities, though, um, that, as far as I know, have never discussed our genitalia, although they have occasionally shouted out our podcast, uh, have you spent any time in the comments on the AV Club, like the Onions pop culture site? I used to a lot in college. I remember we used to read them together a bunch. Oh, um, yeah, and There yeah. were a lot of people who commented in character and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I like um, Elegant Victoria Noblewoman, who, only, who ends every comment with faints dead away. Right on. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of fading in a way that a lot of um, such communities are, as um, that site staff has largely quit due to crappy management up top and, you know, being forced to move to various places and stuff. So that's kind of like fading. But that was a shining beacon of genuine community of eloquent weirdos. And I... I miss it so, even though it technically still exists. And that's, that's, that's actually an interesting thing that I wanted to talk about is like... When you have a community that's based around a specific site or even a specific platform in the case of, say, Imsy, like, how do you deal with those being potentially temporary, potentially ephemeral, you know? I mean, the same way you deal with a community that's based around comics shop meetups dealing with, you know, potential pandemics or potential schedule changes or a shop potentially closing. Um, you know, if you have, have a, 
a drink and draw group that always meets at the same coffee shop and the coffee shop changes into an upscale bar, you're going to have those same issues. And I mean, the, the truth is, and it's, it's the bittersweet truth is that communities and even friendships can be really heavily platform based. Like I have friends whom I talked with daily when we were on AIM and when AIM disappeared, we, there was just, there was no real substitute for that. Mm-hmm. And those friendships are still there and they're still real, but they're not, they, they don't involve close contact in the ways that they did. And it's a shame. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Leaving Facebook for me was a good decision, but there were some acquaintanceships like that that just were a regular thing and now they're just not. And I mean, I still, it still was a worthwhile decision, I think, for me, but it's, it's sad. It's, uh, but at the same time, you know, there, there really is only so much time and attention and energy you can, you can dedicate to those relationships, to those communities. Like, it's finite and you kind of have to pick and choose. And I hate that fact. I want Madrox's powers. I've always wanted Madrox's powers. Well, and again, that's a point where I don't think there's a really big difference between online and real life communities and friendships. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. And I guess that's kind of like what um, we're getting to with, as we discuss this more, and something that I'm certainly thinking about in ways that I haven't before, is exactly that. Is like, I don't know, for so long I distinguished so heavily between the two, like, you know, seeing somebody in person was more real than online, but I guess not so much. And I, no. I don't know, I... I remain impressed with your ability to to so easily be yourself, and in, in some ways, it seems like more easily be yourself uh, through a keyboard and a screen. Well, again, it's 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 you know, different brain wiring and different strengths, and I think there are there are friendships of which that's true. There are friendships of which that's not true. Um, it's it's as with any aspect of friendships and interaction and friendships, it's really really individual and really interaction specific. Legit, yeah. So I guess a question um, I have for you is we've talked about kind of the way uh, online online communities have been in the past and in the present for us. Where would you like to see that go in the future? What would you like to see change, aside from uh, Musk not buying Twitter, presumably? I mean, I'd like to see the return, just, just technically, of forums or of things that mimic the structure of forums. That kind of integrity of structure an integrity of history and static, you know, linkability and connectability was a huge part of the strength of those. And it's something that we've really lost in the primarily kind of chat-based current online economy or the, the, the more transient scrolling, scrolling economy. And those are, those are useful in the moment. They're also really, really good archival resources. You can archive forums in ways that it's it's much harder if it's even possible to archive a Discord community. And as someone who's doing research that now relies on that, that's something I'm very, very acutely aware of. Oh, yeah. And actually, I, I don't talk about my day job often, but that's something that's invaluable in IT. Like, you have a problem you don't know how to fix you're going to Google that, you're going to find forums where other people have discussed it and hopefully found a solution. And that being archival is vital to that situation. Because, you know, maybe somebody discovered this problem and found a fix for it like two years before or even longer. So I want to stick on that for a minute because I was thinking as we were talking that you talk about how you've never, you, you don't tend to be parts of online communities. But on the other hand, for as long as I've known you, you have been parts, parts of tech fora and they're less personal online communities, but they're certainly communities and they're, they're certainly online. Yeah, it's, I don't know, for me, that may just be an artifact of me drawing such a, a firm distinction between job miles and 
like personal miles. And so for me, that's very much job miles. Like I don't think a lot of my personality really, if any, comes out there. It's very functional, like, hey, here's a thing. How do we fix this thing? Let us share these solutions. Okay, thanks. And I don't know, that may just be a way that I compartmentalize that is part of why I haven't ever really clicked that hard with online communities. Maybe that just maybe it just feels hard to be like what I think of as myself. But certainly with the tech stuff, yeah, that's that's very much my work persona, which is distinct. Interestingly, the podcast persona is not. Like, that's not exactly the same as who I am in person, but it's damn close. So I think that's part of why I've always resisted, like, the idea of doing the podcast as a day job. I mean, not that we could afford to, but, like, if we ever could, is I don't want it to turn into a job. I don't want to lose that ability to feel individually present, I mean, if that I think makes we, sense. Yeah, I think we, we approach work very differently. I've always sort of thought of the podcast versions of us as kind of exaggerated, very, very cartoony versions of us. <laughs> I think I'm just a cartoony person in general. Yeah, but podcast miles is is even yeah, is 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 a cartoon of of everyday miles. Like it's it's not a, it's not a one to one. No, that is very true. That's a good point. It's like the same base, but just sort of uh dialed up. You know, to, the, the too much caffeine version. Well, and the same. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you make that specific distinction because one of the things I was thinking about in terms of explaining the X Men spaces is that I'm, when I'm in those, like, they are a professional space for me, and I'm casual, and I'm I'm myself in them. But, for instance, like, I don't post a lot of personal stuff in them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I don't tend to to go to them, like, for support, because I feel like the the power dynamic of a space that that I'm in charge of and is organized around my project is, is, is one where that would be really inappropriate. That makes a lot of sense, yeah, just in terms of – I guess I hadn't really thought about the power dyna- dynamic aspect of it, but by virtue of you being, you know, say, the the top mod in the Discord or just one of the names on the podcast, that would kind of change yeah. things. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that I've become very, very aware of in context of the podcast in, in, in terms of online communities and roles and power dynamics in on- online communities. Um because because being part of this, like writing for Wired and stuff like that gave me some experience with this, but nothing close to the, the show in terms of experience with things like parasocial relationships and with with communities that were communities I was involved in, but also communities that I was kind of a centering point in. Um, and very early on in the Explain the X-Men community, I saw a post about um, someone about a musician who really overstepped those boundaries with fans. And it was this incredible distillation of everything I had been thinking about trying to avoid and sort of kind of kind of a, a, a very, very negative space example of what I'd been t- trying to create in terms of guidelines for myself. And that, that really defined a lot of the ways that I interact with those spaces, because um, it's really important to me to not to, to keep relationships that are around the podcast or that are built around the podcast in that context and to be aware of of relative investment and of of relative power dynamics in those and i think i think that's something that especially folks working in grassroots projects um or with what they see as fairly small audiences and a lot of people with big audiences that grew, grew from small audiences i think really need to step back and be aware of that like it's 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 hard to distinguish between your professional space and fan space and friend space when you're used to all of those overlapping, and I think it's critically important to do. 
Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense to me, and it also sounds tricky. Um, and it's, it seems like something that you've navigated very successfully, um, which again impresses the hell out of me. Like your your adeptness with online spaces and and managing those boundaries and those lines, like it, it seems to come so naturally to you. And I, uh, I mean, I am I, I pathologically good at compartmentalizing. Huzzah! You know, it's like the Emicron crystal. It's got an entire universe inside. Or possibly a star? I don't know. We do our research for the non-Hawk Talk episodes. These, eh, we work it out. Not only do we not do research for these, but we pointedly forget everything else we know. Oh yeah, we actually just uh, whack ourselves on the side of the head a couple times before we record. It might not be a great plan, uh, in retrospect. Uh, I hang up so... Add ten years to your life that way. That's why you're Which maybe why Keith Richards can no longer be killed by conventional weaponry. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, I guess that's basically everything I can think of to cover. Jay, is there anything more you want to talk uh, about on this topic? I'm fairly certain that in like an hour I'm going to go, ah, oh, shit, and think of something important that I forgot. But for now, that's what I, that's all I got. Well, that's Hawk Talk. So yeah, uh, Play Comics, thank you again for the donations you made to Equality Florida and for choosing this topic. And yeah, we're going to be doing um, a number of other Hawk Talk episodes, um, similarly, that were chosen by folks who donated to Equality Florida. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. Like some of them I think we're going to be very familiar with. Others, we're going to wing it. It's Hawk Talk, so you all get what you get, but we will we will do our best. The one thing we can guarantee is that it's all about the Hawks. <laughs>